Defining moments spotlights a particular moment, incident, or case that either led the writer to a career in physical therapy or confirmed why he or she chose to become a physical therapist or physical therapist assistant. This essay titled A Purposeful Ride is read by its author, Crystal Miskin, PT, DPT. She is a physical therapist at Rocky Mountain University of Health Professions Community Rehabilitation Clinic in Provo, Utah, and is an assistant professor at the university. She is a board certified clinical specialist in orthopedic physical therapy. I grew up in a semi-rural Southern California community where many of the residents owned livestock. Like many young girls, I fell in love with horses and horsing around soon became a major part of my life. I competed in equestrian events, drill teams, and 4-H knowledge competitions. As a competitive rider, I took excellent care of my four-legged partner, including shoeing him, floating his teeth, a dental procedure to aid chewing and bit fitting, and balancing his feet and supplements. I wanted every edge I could gain over my competitors, so I was intrigued by the various elements for sports therapy for horses. As I progressed through the lower divisions to California's top division for Gymkhana, timed events including barrel racing and pole bending, I increasingly employed sports therapy practices to tune up my horse. They worked. We dropped a critical couple of seconds off our timed events. Although I was highly invested in sports therapy for horses, I didn't pay much attention to physical therapy, which includes sports therapy for humans. Of course, until I ruptured my ACL, as a sophomore in college. This injury prematurely ended my rugby career. Determined to regain full physical function, I paid close attention to my treatments throughout my extensive introduction to rehabilitation. My inner geek loved how the physical therapists were engineering my knee back to health. I previously had declared an engineering major, intending to attend medical school after undergrad. And yes, I know what you're thinking and you're right. None of the courses overlapped and my course load was awful. During this time, I was interning at an engineering firm and volunteering at the physical therapy clinic where I had been a patient. My typical workday soon was averaging over 12 hours long. I was unhappy and feeling out of place among the engineering interns who are more self-contained within their studies and less social than I was. At the same time, as I watched my brother progress through medical school, I wondered if I'd be happy with the poor work-life balance associated with that program of study. It wasn't long though before I received a welcome reprieve from ruminating on my educational plans. Once I felt sufficiently recovered from my ACL injury, I left for Chile on what would become a nearly two year long mission trip for my church. During my time there, a fellow missionary hurt her back. As a result, I accompanied her on weekly trips to a physical therapist in a nearby farming pueblo. This was a very rural community with a modest clinic that had just one physical therapist, Pablo. Although I kept my thoughts to myself, I wondered if my poor friend could possibly receive effective treatment at such a clinic. But then I watched as Pablo worked. He taught me that while having the newest and best tools can be helpful, the true worth of a clinic lies in the abilities of its staff. It was a defining moment for me. I picked Pablo's brain every chance I got. I imagine he was amused that I seemed more invested in and excited about his treatment plan than was my friend, the actual patient. It was at this small clinic near Concepcion, Chile, almost 6,000 miles from my hometown, that I decided I would pursue physical therapy. Upon returning home, 
I finished my undergraduate education, began the DPT program at Rocky Mountain University of Health Professions. I enjoyed school and felt the coursework combined my favorite aspects of engineering and medicine. Eager to explore the breadth of physical therapy, I took an elective course to learn about the disparities in healthcare access. I then was offered an opportunity to volunteer at the university's new pro bono clinic, the Community Rehabilitation Clinic. Based on my experiences there, I presented a poster at the APTA's combined sections meeting to increase awareness of health disparities. Desiring to make a more immediate difference, I continued to volunteer at the Community Rehabilitation Clinic. To my surprise, I frequently found myself serving Spanish-speaking patients. I'd never expected to have the opportunity to retain Spanish fluency after returning from Chile. But there I was in the heart of Utah, using not only my Spanish, but more specifically, the Spanish scientific terms I'd learned from Pablo. After graduating from PT school, I completed an orthopedic residency, then an orthopedic and sports fellowship with Kaiser Permanente in Southern California. It was there that I was introduced to telehealth, which was presented as an innovative way to improve schedule utilization and provide access to patients with transportation challenges. During this time, I also had the opportunity to volunteer at the Venice Family Clinic in Santa Monica. I noted a similar prevalence as I had in Utah of multiple comorbidities and insufficient health literacy among the patient population. Many of these patients' misconceptions about health and healthcare were perpetuated within tight-knit families and communities. I wanted so badly to somehow enter that loop and break the cycle. At the conclusion of my fellowship, I moved back to Utah earlier this year to work at the Community Rehabilitation Clinic, the same place where I had developed an interest in pro bono work. My start there coincided with the beginning of the state's COVID-19 restrictions. Utah allowed healthcare facilities to remain open, but we were concerned about our patient population, many of whom had various comorbidities that made them more vulnerable to serious complications from the novel coronavirus. Out of an abundance of caution, we decided to transition to telehealth for most of our patients. It was important to us to continue to provide services to our existing patients. The work of a pro bono clinic is interesting in that many patients are there not just to improve their quality and enjoyment of life, but because some health condition is preventing them from working and providing for their families. In that sense, much of a pro bono clinic patient's treatment is critically time sensitive. Knowing that our ability to provide healthcare can be directly correlated to our patients and their families' financial well-being, all of us at the clinic wanted to make the rapid transition to telehealth as seamless as possible and to make sure we didn't leave any patients behind. One of the main challenges that quickly presented itself was technological illiteracy. Many of our patients did not have an email address or know how to use a smartphone, tablet, or computer, let alone have reliable web access. After a few initial telehealth appointments in which we served as little more than tech support, we decided each patient should get a test run before their first telehealth appointment. It was an all hands effort to prepare many patients for these appointments with family members and our staff helping patients set up email addresses and prepare the Google Meet application or website for their upcoming visits. We tested audio and video, joked and enjoyed other small talk with patients and ended the test session feeling confident about patients' upcoming appointments. But wouldn't you know it, many visits still started with cameras pointed everywhere but at the patient. 
They never told me in PT school that some of my future appointments would start with me trying to provide verbal technical support to a patient whose computer speakers were turned off. Initially, transitioning entirely to telehealth was daunting. Technical challenges and the associated laughs and groans aside, physical therapy always had been hands-on for me. I suddenly was unable to place my hands on a patient and test mobility or strength. I realized that I had to return to the fundamentals of movement analysis. I was relying almost exclusively on my visual perception of dysfunctional movement to gain initial insights into which tissues might be weak, lack flexibility, or demonstrate poor coordination. For as many challenges as telehealth presented though, it also offered advantages. For the first time in my practice, I was teleported live to my patients' homes, workplaces, and hobbies. I met numerous newborns as their mother demonstrated the difficulties of nursing or lifting their infants. I was at construction sites where patients showed me what they did at work and which specific movements were problematic. I sat in gyms as patients showed me which lifts and exercises caused them difficulty. The single biggest benefit of telehealth was being able to design a home exercise program to meet patients' unique needs. Previously, my home exercise prescriptions often relied on assumptions that patients had access to specific equipment, knew how to properly set it up, and would properly perform the exercises. Now I could see what equipment was available in a home, improvise setups based on that, and supervise and refine the process until each patient demonstrated proper form throughout a movement. Telehealth has been a blessing for patients as well. Some of them had traveled up to two hours each way to reach our free clinic. Now they have access to physical therapy in the comfort of their home. As we ironed out the kinks of our telehealth operation, we realized that we had additional capacity, so we expanded our reach to serve patients who had previously considered the clinic to be too far away. We even accepted new patients in our immediate area, as many unfortunately lost their jobs and work provided medical coverage as a result of the economic slowdown. A memorable telehealth patient reported knee pain when she was running or riding a horse. Although I hadn't ridden competitive in years, the word horse piqued my curiosity. This patient regularly rode working horses on her family's farm in rural Utah. Although I was initially intimidated that her primary language was ASL, Thankfully, her mother and one of our physical therapist assistants helped interpret. After subjective and objective examination, I suspected that she had developed patellofemoral pain syndrome. Following functional testing and after beginning treatment, I asked her to virtually take me to her barn and show me how the stirrups on her saddle were configured. We adjusted them using my background in equestrian sports and drawing on my knowledge of patellofemoral joint forces at the knee. This patient ended her first telehealth appointment with a stirrup configuration that allowed her to ride without pain. You can imagine how thrilled I was to help someone continue riding. As physical therapists, we play a huge role in improving patients' quality of life. During a recent conversation, my brother, the physician, and I discussed this very topic. He said something that struck me. Physical therapy is incredibly important. As a physician, I prolong life through various procedures physical therapists add meaning to that life. That's why I entered this profession. Heartwarming moments like watching a mother embrace her child, a father regain his ability to work, and a rider get back in the saddle inspire me to continue serving. What a privilege it is to contribute to patients' enjoyment of life. This has been an APTA podcast. 
APTA members can access the latest podcasts and transcripts at www.apta.org podcasts.